I'm excited to bring to you today's guest, Tally Goody. Did I pronounce that correctly? You did. Yeah, correct. Tally Goody. All right. Thank you so much for joining us today. Now, you uh, started, you run, and you own your own firm, the Goody Law Group, and you specialize in personal injury, business formation, employment law. According to your website, you speak Farsi, which I definitely want to get into that just a bit. And also, it says that you were raised by Iranian immigrant parents in California, and uh, you have a YouTube channel on The Goody Life. Now, there's so many things I want to unpack here about your story. But first of all, welcome and thank you for coming on our, our podcast. Thank you, Joel, for having me. I'm excited to be here. Like I said, there's so many things I want to go through as we get to know you. But I, I got to start, as I do with most of my um, uh, guests, where are you right now? Because I, I'm, this is not a competition, all right? I don't want you to feel the pressure, but I did speak to a person who, uh, I interviewed a person who's talking to me from the beaches in Hawaii, and I thought that was, okay, we got to go on site next year and do this interview. <laughs> and then it was topped. I went and, and spoke to a guy who was speaking to me from Australia. And I thought, okay, now I really am uh, jealous now of my guest, but where are you right now, physically? So right now, I am physically in Palos Verdes Estates. Okay. Are you familiar with that area? I am not. So it's it's um, it's outside of Los Angeles, so it's okay. kind of in the suburbs, and it's by the beach. So, I mean, nice. you know, five-minute walk, you see the beach. We're on, like, a cliff. Um, if you're familiar with Redondo Beach, Hermosa Beach, Manhattan Beach, I'm in that vicinity. Wow. I have got to talk to Brooke. And she's scheduling people continually, continuously <laughs> who are on the beach. She's just trying to make me mad, I guess. I don't know. I'm very <laughs> jealous. You are, you're actually near a cliff on a beach? Yeah. Like if you just, I'm, I'm at my house right now. So if you just walk right outside about five minutes, I'll see, you know, overlooking the ocean, basically like a cliff. Wow. So it's, it's great. My heart Very is racing. Very fortunate to live here. Yeah. <laughs> My heart is pumping. You don't understand how nervous I am. I just did a CLE in class. Just as I just hung up with it when I got on this call here I'm about storytelling. And I told this story of how I hate cliffs. I hate ledges. It just kind of gets me scared. It turns my stomach into knots. And I find out you're living on a cliff. I mean, wouldn't <laughs> you be afraid that your little dog might just go over the cliff? Yeah, I'm not that close. I mean, we're technically on like a peninsula. That's okay. what it's called here. So, you know, I, I'm not li literally living like right on a cliff, but it is pretty close walking distance. All so, right. All right, good. so no, no sleepwalking <laughs> fears for you. You're, you're, you're pretty safe there. Uh, all right. Now, again, I want to get into your practice area and your life story. But first, I, I got to just get some of these things out of the way. All right. Because I, 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 I'm the cook of the house. I, I love cooking. And I love it, foods that I am not used to. And so when I see that you were raised by Iranian immigrants, the first thought that came to my mind is, what kind of food do you eat? And can you give me some <laughs> tips on what I can make in my house that would be the best Iranian dish? Is, is that a, a... Do you have any yeah, thoughts on that? Totally. I mean, so my mom is an amazing cook. And, okay. you know, growing up, she made... One of my most favorite dishes is called tadik. And it's basically like it's rice, but it's okay. cooked pretty hard at the bottom. I don't know if you've seen that before. Cooked and it's hard like on crispy. The it's pretty crispy. Like you put it in the ah. pot and it just gets it gets cooked so perfectly where it's just like a it is the perfect texture. And it's yeah, I can't I don't know how to translate it into English, but it, it's really, really good. Um, and and you can put different kind of like toppings on them. Like there's different like what kind? I guess you um there, you know, there's different ones such as 
I want to say the names. There's like Gormasabzi, and that one has like greens and some beef in it. Nice. Um, they're kind of like similar to curry, I okay. would say. We don't call them curry, but it's similar to that. I am salivating right now. So I, I um, <laughs> it was last week. I uh, I went to go play tennis with a friend of mine, uh, Vagish, and and uh, he needed a ride home. So I drove him to his new house. He invited me into his house, and his wife there, uh, they're they're from India, and she had to send me home with food that she had just prepared. Now, I can't even describe what it was, but it was fascinating. It was delicious. I, it was like ten o'clock at night when I got home. I ate the whole entire thing. I I'm just a sucker for for food. All right, a second thought. <laughs> which I know you're going to think is way off the, the charts weird, but I was drawn to your name, Goody Life. And so a real stupid story, when I was young, like let's just say eight years old, uh, I lived in a townhome and I, we had a couch in our house and I named my couch Goody. That was the name of my couch. And, and so my parents <laughs> decided one day to throw away Goody, my couch, and uh, they put it in the right by the dumpster, and they put it in the dumpster. And so I got in the dumpster and sat in that couch because I did not want them to throw away my best friends. I don't know if that's sad or what, but that's why I was drawn to your name, The Goody Life. Uh, you have a great YouTube channel there on, on Goody Life. I want to talk to that here, uh, talk about that as well. All right, let's get into it. Uh, what is your practice yeah. about? So, you know, my practice, we, you know, I focus primarily, like you mentioned, um, business formation, personal injury and employment law. However, I just recently took out the business formation side because my, my employment and my personal injury practice has increased. So I'm, you know, I'm focusing more so on those two. Um, it was more so to have three when I first started my firm, you know, to get more business. But now I feel like I've had my practice for over a year and a half now. I started back in September of 2019 and I feel like, you know, I feel comfortable and thankful that I have, you know, clients. And, um, so yeah. What was that like starting your own firm? I I worked for a firm as as well. I was senior litigation counsel at a firm. I left that all to start my own business and, uh, it's scary. I mean, what, what was it like for you to say, Hey, you know what? I'm going to do this. I'm going to go out on my own and start my own firm. You know, it was scary. And actually, I was speaking to a group of um, college students last night because they're like, how did you do it? And so, you know, I think the most important thing for any, you know, going off on any business is the fear factor. I think everyone is scared. They think, oh, I don't have enough, you know, knowledge. I don't have enough confidence. I don't, you know, I don't have what it takes. But really, it's not about that. It's about overcoming that and knowing that you do have what it takes. And for me, I learned by just throwing myself into it. You know what, what I mean? Do you mean, I mean I, what do you mean by that? <laughs> I do kind of know what you mean about throwing yourself. In other words, you can't possibly anticipate everything that you need to know before going down a certain venture, like owning your own firm. It's not even possible. So you exactly. just said throw yourself into it. What, what do you mean by that? Well, so I think that there's there's a different types of people with, you know, preparation for things like someone will read up, like read several different books for six months or one year prior to opening their own firm. Now I didn't do that. Um, I definitely have my mentors and I have resources that I use, but I really had between leaving my job and actually opening officially opening my doors was about a month difference. So I did not like, you know, I didn't spend a lot of time just like preparing. I just kind of okay. was like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. Um, you know, as I was leaving my last job, I started doing all of like the, you know, 
filing all the paperwork with the secretary of state, actually getting my business going. I did all that stuff simultaneously so that when I left my job, I was able to just kind of open the doors and get going. And so I, I feel like I, I made sure I had the big substantive things set, you know, just like finances. Do we have that? I mean, you know, you can't just go off on your own right. without knowing that you're going to be secure financially, you know? <laughs> well, I'm not sure there. Cause I, I didn't make sure of that. No, I, I know what you're saying though. I know what you're saying. <laughs> at least somewhat. I mean, right, right. you know, you want to make sure you can survive for at least a few months if you don't make any money, you know, right. it might be six months. It could be a year. Um, so, you know, that was set. And for me, then it was there, six months. I felt six months was a good, if I knew where the next six months salary is coming from, I have time to adjust if things go bad. So that, that was my comfort level. Was that your comfort level as well? Totally. Yeah. Six months was definitely it. And, um, it's all about having a good support system because for me, I did not only just open my own law firm, but I switched practice areas, believe it or not. Really? So <laughs> it was kind of a big, big transition. So prior to opening my own law firm, I was focusing on art law and some business litigation. Okay. And that's what I did while I was at my boutique job in Century City. Right. Boutique law firm job. Um, so, you know, basically I switched practice areas. I, you know, opened my own business. So it was it was a lot. But in the beginning, you know, the first few months, I didn't have a lot of clients. So at that point, I was able to focus on getting the structure set up, doing things, marketing myself learning, educating, everything that I needed to do. Well, let's talk so about that. Up, yeah. When you say yeah. you didn't have a lot of clients, I mean, how did you get clients? I mean, how did, how did that process work for you? How did you find clients and market yourself? Yeah. So I literally started my firm with zero clients because I know I've heard of people that, you know, they will leave their law firm, but they'll have some clients that right. they bring with them or some business. So I, since I did switch practice areas, I'm not really, you know, relevant in the industry at this point. And other attorneys are not necessarily going to refer me cases because they've been in the industry longer. You know what I mean? So there's all these different things that kind of popped up. But um, I got my first client probably about a month in to my business, which I was like, woohoo, really excited. (laughs) It's great. (laughs) You know, Um, but I got my first client actually through word of mouth. That one wasn't through just my marketing but word of mouth, um, people that I knew, and they sent me a client. And I was like, awesome. First client. This yeah. is a great feeling. Um, Come on in. Sit down. We're just going to treat you like a king or queen because you're it. We're going to take all of our time. So <laughs> exactly. You actually worked for a month before you got your first client. What did you do during that month besides fret? You know, marketing. I, I started, I created my business Instagram account. I, um, like I said, I was setting up a lot of like administrative things that I didn't do in between. You know, like if there was random things that I needed to set up with emails and fax, phone lines, you know, like random things like that. I mean, obviously right. I had the basics down, but getting more administrative and more detailed. Um, now so you, you're a lot younger than I am. Um, so I, I'm really, this is, is a half a serious question, but because um, you are a marketing genius. I, I'm telling you, I've been on your site and all, to all my listeners, go to her site. It's going to be on our other show notes here, this podcast. You can get the links to all of her sites. It is amazing. You will not stop with just once like a potato chip. You're just going to keep watching and keep watching and keep watching. Did they teach TikTok 101 in law school? I mean, is that a class now they actually <laughs> offer in law school? No, but I, I think they should, especially for lawyers, because I have had so many lawyers be like, how do you make these TikToks or these videos or right. how do you, you know? And so I think that 
for lawyers, it would be a great class to have. <laughs> now, so how did you come up with your ideas? Because I, again, I'm watching these and they are just brilliant. They're witty. They're funny. Uh, you're engaging. Uh, and, and they're all very short and, and they're, they're, you, you have a message in them. I mean, I'm telling you, this is a marketing brilliance. You're a genius. How, do you just like sit on the couch and all of a sudden the idea comes to you and then you just record it? Uh, kind of walk us through that process, if you will. Yeah. So, you know, I think what I, my first thing that I do is I sit down and make a list of main topics that I want to cover. Like what are things that I want to get across that at what points do I want to get across? How do I want to provide value to my audience? You know, so I'll make a list like huge categories and then break it down into subcategories. And then from there I'll start like main thing that I do to get ideas is I scroll through TikTok. Believe it or not, you scroll through TikTok, you get ideas from other people's videos, and then you kind of turn it into your own style. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, right. obviously, you don't copy a video right. like word for word, but, but it, it inspires you, know, you. Exactly, it inspires me. And like with TikTok, the whole thing is, hey, there are trends that are happening, and if you can try to take a trend and turn it into a legal, you know, a legal way, or provide some kind of information in that way, like you that's when you really hit it. And that's when I've had a couple videos go viral on TikTok. It's because I used the trend that was like the song that was popping and the style that they were using it. And then I, I put my own spin on it. Now, and so, yeah, I want to say this carefully because I don't want to like um, insert a foot in my mouth, but um, your clientele that you are trying to get at your firm, is that the kind of clientele that would watch TikTok? Um, in other words, was there any thought as to this is where my target market will be? Or have you found out that indeed the TikTok type of audience is who you are getting as clientele? Yeah, you know, so I, you know, when I first started my TikTok account, I definitely, like, I, it wasn't really necessarily my idea to get on TikTok. I had a friend who's in marketing and she's like, hey, you should get on TikTok. I think you'd be really great. And I was like, and this is back in January of 2020 before okay. the pandemic. So not a lot of people are on TikTok at this point. And so I was like, I don't know, you know, the, like the stereotype of TikTok, uh, it doesn't really seem like something for lawyers, but you know what, why not? I'll just right. try it out. So I went on there and I didn't like, you know, honestly, I didn't think about target audience. I was like, well, I just want to put my name out there however that works, let's try it. Like, you know, I didn't really think it was going to stick. I thought right, it was right. mostly just going to be like a, a, I tried a couple times and I'm over it. And then, um, you know, so I did it. And then that's when I realized, Hey, there's a huge like chance for your video to go viral and people right. from, you know, a huge audience to see your, your video. And so after I, I posted a little bit, I got my like a, a big case actually I got from TikTok. Really? So it was, yeah. And it was amazing. Cause it's like, you know, you never would imagine that, but it's your target audience is actually, it can be anyone for personal injury at least, because you know, it, it could be someone that's as young as the viewers on TikTok, right. or it could be their family members that they need an attorney for, you know what I mean? And so I've had people reach out to me in both ways, whether it's for themselves or whether it's for a family member. And, um, it's amazing how it's worked out so far. So I've gotten about a few pretty big cases from there and a lot of inquiries. And not only am I getting cases, but I'm able to, if it's something that I can't help with, I'm able to refer them to colleagues that I know. Okay. So, yeah. 
Good, interesting. So now this is this is definitely kind of be off the wall, but the 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 dancing and the singing is that is that choreographed or is that just come to you naturally? I'm not I'm not asking because <laughs> I'm going to try it because trust me, I, that cannot happen. Uh, but nonetheless, I'm just curious because I guess I'm envious. Uh, is it is it like naturally uh, come to you to do those dance moves? You know, the dancing, I, I don't usually do a lot of the dancing. I do like a few, like I've kind of dwindled down on the dancing recently. I did start with a lot of dancing, okay. um, but you know, it's, they have dances and you just have to learn their dances. That's basically what it is. Okay. And that's what I would do. I'm like, okay, I'm going to learn their dancing. Okay. This is how the the cool kids are doing. This, right, right, you know right. Because I mean? <laughs> you got to understand but, I'm asking with a certain amount of trepidation because I'm thinking, oh, TikTok, that actually kind of sounds like fun. I've never tried it at all. I probably don't even have TikTok TikTok (laughs) on my phone. But nonetheless, it looks like it's a lot of fun. I mean, obviously, I I watch the videos online with them. uh, And so I I, I can see how those would go viral very easily. Now, so I watched some of your TikTok videos, and you do have great legal advice that you offer to to, people. people out there. And I know you're in California, so this is not legal advice. We're lawyers. We have to give that kind of disclaimer, right? People <laughs> yeah. listen from all over. I have no idea. This is just someone in California talking about what they, whatever. So, but what are some of your ideas and just general principles that apply that uh, if you're involved in an auto accident, you should be thinking about? Yeah. And I definitely made this def- into a video a couple times. And so, so you want me to tell you a list of things right. what we do in California? Okay. So the first thing you do is make sure you are safely where you are, whether it's, you know, you want to make sure you're not in the middle of the street. If you're able to pull over, pull over. Okay. If not, if it's a bigger crash, you want to stay where you are and just be inside of your car. Um, call the police at this point because okay. we need to get a police report. I always tell everyone, make sure you get a police report no matter what even if it's a smaller crash even if it's something you think it's not anything it's always helpful to call the police because having that report is great okay in case there are like mixed stories on both sides you know Ah. so you call the police they come take a report um and at that point you're exchanging information with all the parties that's your driver's license your insurance card taking photos of the damage taking photos of your injuries if you have anything visible um and then at that point you you know, right after the crash, when you go home, you want to try to find an attorney ASAP and you want to make sure you get into medical treatment no later than three days after the crash. I always say, I always say ASAP. I mean, I say just go the day that you get in a crash just to have it on your, your records. Right. And the reason for this is because even if you don't feel injured the day of the crash, it's likely that the shock is masking your pain. Right. And so, you know, your adrenaline is worked up and you're, you don't feel anything. So if you wait, the longer you wait, the harder it is for the insurance company to pay you what you're entitled to for your, your bodily injury claim. So, and that's why I always say just go. And then let's say you go and everything's fine three days later, no big deal. You know, you went right. and you have it on your records, but if you don't go, you can't come back in time and get that on your record, you know? Man. And so, so that's the and the main thing I always tell people is don't give recorded statements to insurance companies. Doesn't matter if it's your insurance company or the other insurance company, do not. And why is that? And because they insurance companies, first of all, they work with one another and they'll provide each other a recorded statement. So if you okay. give one to yours, they're gonna share it with the other side. And the other side can use these statements 
to basically work against anything you say in the future. So if you say, ah. you know, if you do a recorded statement a day of your crash and say, I don't feel like I have any injuries, I'm fine. But then three days later, you develop injuries or you develop some kind of spinal issue where you have to get surgery six months later. They're going to use that statement and say, you said you weren't injured. So right. that injury that you have is not related to our crash. And then they won't pay you. For your surgery. I wish I had known about you 20 years ago. You probably weren't <laughs> licensed to practice law 20 years ago, but uh, we got my wife got into an accident. Uh, she was hit by someone and he was uninsured. And so they did not call us into the cops. Big mistake, right? Uh, they shared information, uh, but it turns out the person insurance was, was no longer valid and so was uninsured. And at the end of the day, um, of course, my wife had no injuries uh, until about, I don't know how long it was afterwards, the soft tissue injuries resurfaced in her, and she suffered from the soft tissue injuries, I think, even to this day, um, you oh. know, 20 years later. But like you said, during the accident, you don't really know. You don't even think about soft tissue injuries until much later. Right. And so I'm sorry that happened to your wife. And, it, it, you know, our bodies are so fragile. You know, you never know one little bump can like just mess up some kind of alignment in your spine, you know. Right. So even if there's not a lot of property damage, doesn't mean you're not injured, you know. So now you mentioned uh, you should call the, the, the cops now because this has happened to me. And are you telling me that I did the wrong thing? Uh, probably so. But because I'm not the best at taking legal advice, even though I'm a lawyer, but <laughs> I, I got into an accident and uh, we just, it was so, it was so minor. You said, I don't want this to go on the record. And so I'll, you know, you just go to your mechanic or body shop and I'll pay it. And that's what we did. We ended up paying out of pocket, maybe a thousand dollars to just deal with that matter. But I recognize that's probably not the smartest thing to do because you are a little, what, what kind of um, p bad things could happen from my approach? You know, I think, look, if your crash was, you, you feel like you had no injuries at all and it was just property damage, what you did was probably okay. okay. However, it's not necessarily, you don't know for sure if the other side is going to try to bring any kind of claim against you. You know what I mean? Good Say, point. well, no, I was injured. And so that's when it comes down to, oh, shoot, we don't even have a report. Um, and And I think a lot of people get the impression that any crash that you report to your insurance company is going to ding your insurance or your, you know, your payments and make them higher. But that's not necessarily the case. Uh, it really depends on whose fault it was and the impact of the crash. Uh, you know, so I wouldn't really necessarily. I always tell people like, don't worry about it. It wasn't your fault. You were rear-ended. It's very unlikely that this is going to impact your insurance. You know, right. it's not your fault. So you know what you did overall was probably okay, but. But it's always safe to just, you know, you need to call the police, you, even if it's just minor, unless it's like you literally just dinged the car in front of you and it was like, you know, that was it. There was nothing, right. no damage, nothing. OK, then you can go ahead. But you just never know what the other side's going to do, even if they're telling, you, oh, yeah, I'm fine. Everything's OK. You know, and then they leave and they're like, I'm actually not OK. I'm going to bring a claim against them. Right, you right. know. Fascinating. So. Now, one other aspect of your site that I was really drawn to that I want to talk about is your thoughts on facing giants. Have you seen the movie uh, Facing the Giants? I haven't actually. Facing okay. the Giants. Facing, no. It's yeah. uh, it's one of my favorite movies. I, I love it. But uh, what what is your what are your thoughts? Because it's on your website, and I love the concept, and you have a lot of uh, tips on how people can face giants in their lives. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, on my website, right? Is that where right. it is? Right. Yeah. Uh, facing giants, like I, I think I'm not really clear with what what gi- what giants like. I, I think I... the context would be um, big obstacles in your life. So if you are facing, oh, got it, got it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you know, and I think that. I always tell this a lot to, you know, a lot of aspiring lawyers are the ones that will be like, I just feel like I'm stuck. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm lost. I'm confused. And, you know, I think that you have to always know that because I've, I've been there, you know, before I went to law school, I was in my gap year and I felt kind of lost. I felt confused. And I was like, do I really want to go to law school? And just all these obstacles and I failed the bar exam one time. I mean, there's so many right. things that pop up. So you have to know, hey, it's not the end of the world. And these obstacles, these giants, as you say, will make you a stronger person in the end. You know, right. you have to take them as they come. Um, and, hey, we have our days where we feel off. It's That just happens. And we have days where things come in our way. And, and um, yeah, I, I think that's, yeah. Now you spend a lot of your time mentoring the next generation, which to me, of course, is fascinating because you are, from my perspective, a generation behind me. And so um, <laughs> I, that means I'm getting old. Now that I'm at the, I'm nearing the grandpa stage. I'm almost to the, oh, the no. half century mark. <laughs> but nonetheless, um, so I, I like to coach tennis. That's kind of my outlet to kind of reach the next generation. Uh, and plus, it's a lot of fun to play tennis with the, the young kids. Though there yeah. is some limitations to that, it's uh, it, the body does not quite respond to injuries as it did when you were younger. But um, you like to reach out and, and mentor the next generation. Speak about that a little bit. Yeah, so I, you know, this kind of started like this passion of mine started basically when I started TikTok because that's okay. also a big factor of my TikToks is not just to educate about legal advice, you know, related to personal injury or anything like that. But it's also, I I noticed that it just naturally happened. People started naturally gravitating towards my content because they, they wanted someone that they can be like, Oh wow. Like, you know, someone that they can, I guess, look up to a lot of them are younger and they're, you know, in either in college or in high school. And so, especially when the pandemic hit, a lot of these kids were stuck at home. So they had nothing else to do except go on their TikToks and scroll and find like, and look forward to the future. You know, they're like, Oh, I want to be this in the future. And so that's when I started connecting with a lot of these students. Yeah. And they were, you know, they reached out and you could just, I never knew that there was such a, you know, a big audience in that factor because I'm, I was thinking about myself in that time period and I really didn't have anyone, you know, it was like, I didn't have parents that were lawyers. I didn't have anybody that was a family member. So I was kind of in the dark. And I remember asking people that I know, Hey, you know, and they're not obviously not family or anybody, but just acquaintances. Like, do you like being a lawyer? And everyone would be so negative about it. I mean, everyone would just say, don't go to law school. It's the worst thing you can do. I'm sure you are familiar with that. So, (laughs) so, you know, it was at that point that I realized, Hey, why can't I be more of the light for these people? Because they don't have that. There's no, there aren't a lot of people that tell you to go to law school or that tell you that there are positive things that come out of being a lawyer. And it's not all about the stereotypes that you see, you know? So I, you know, I kind of geared my, a lot of my posts towards that. And so it's been something that I've been doing since, I guess, March of last year. And I've just developed it more throughout the year. And um, I put on some, some lectures or not lectures, but seminars for them. I've hosted a mock law school class for them. 
and I had over 250 people for the mock really? law school class. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I was going to ask about that because on your site, I just saw it. You are promoting yeah. it, and it obviously happened a long time ago. You said the first 30 people can get in, and you're telling me you had over 200 get in? Yeah. So initially, wow. when I first— That's great marketing when I, right there. <laughs> well, when I first opened it up, I did that actually with my husband, who's also a lawyer. And so we—you know I was like, let's do this. This will be fun. And we were like, let's just do it for like 30 people, the thir okay. first 30 people that sign up. And then you know it happened to be that there was such— a great, um, like they were all excited about it. There was all these students were just like, Oh, that sounds so cool. Can I do the next one? And I was like, wow, there's like so many people interested. And so that's when I was like, why don't we just open it up? We'll have like 100 people be on call. Like they're the ones that we'll call on like the, you know, cold calling, I right, guess. Right. And then the rest will just be observers and they'll watch and take it in. And so we changed the formatting and we had initially, I think I had about almost 500 people show like signed up really? officially, but then wow. you know what happens when the actual day comes, something right. happens. And so half those people ended up showing up instead, but it's still a great turnout. Oh my goodness. You're, you're a marketing genius. You, you can start your own <laughs> law school. Do you realize that 500 <laughs> kids are coming, showing interest in your law school and it could be the goody life law school. All right, let's get a credit. I know. Well, it was amazing to see that there, and it wasn't that they just showed up. I mean, these kids were prepared, like they were prepared. They were raising their hands. They wanted to participate. And I was just, you know, blown away by, by the fact that they, they cared so much about this and that they really wanted to, to make an effort. Now in the, in your, your promotional uh, marketing piece that I saw, you were promoting some case that recently just ended. Uh, and you said you're going to try out the Socratic method. So did you actually make it resemble an actual law school class where people had to answer questions and put them on the spot? Yeah, we wow. did that. So it was actually the case that we focused on was a case that my husband actually tried in California okay. that actually became the law. So we actually used that case and um, and it's been, you know, it was really cool. I mean, we used Socratic method. People were we had like a list of people we we're going to call on and everyone was just amazing. Like I was I was like to, at tears by the end of the class. I was so wow. proud. I was like a proud mom. That is yeah. amazing. <laughs> that is a great story and great idea. I mean, seriously, law schools are, would be jealous. We should be copying that model. Have you thought, I about, have you thought about being a law professor? You know, I, I thought about it. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's something that when I was in law school, I was like, I definitely would love to be a professor, you know? So it's something that it's an option for sure, but I just have to get to that point somehow. Well, hey, if you ever want to teach a CLE class, let me know. I would love to have you on teaching a CLE because I, I definitely think that would be fascinating to to listen to. Uh, but nonetheless, um, yeah. All right, That'd well, be great. What is your, what is next on your agenda as as the owner of, of the Goody Law Firm? Uh, what, what's what, what are you going? What's your next big challenge? So I, you know, I have a lot of my Goody Law Group firm. I, I'm building my clientele. I'm getting a lot of new cases, which I'm really thankful for, hoping to to settle out a lot of my cases the next six months. I have some big ones that are coming close to that. So I'm hoping that that right. happens. And then, you know, on the side, I'm also trying to think of some kind of other other business, I guess. I'm always just kind of on the hunt for entrepreneurial ideas. Now, let me I ask you that. <laughs> let me ask yeah. you that. Cause I am curious because I had the same um, realization in my own life where I was a lawyer for 20 some years. And then I kind of opened up my own business and 
I had no idea that how much business would be needed in running a, a business. I mean, I don't know why I didn't think about that, but you know, the marketing, the, the administrative things, getting things approved, taking in money, taxes, accounts receivable. I mean, all this stuff that comes in. So do you find yourself more being involved with the business aspect and less the law in your firm? Yeah. You know what? I actually, that's exactly how I feel. I feel like I, I enjoy the business side and I like to be involved with it a lot more than not saying I don't want to do the legal work, but I do really like the business side. You know, I think it's something that, um, I could see myself really just wanting to focus more so on the business side rather than heavily on the legal side. Right, right. You know. All right. Well, thank you so much, Tally, for agreeing to, to come on. It's great to hear your story and and best of luck. And if you ever do want to d- uh, dabble your toe into the CLE waters, let me know. I'm sure we would love to work something out because I think you'd make an incredible CLE instructor and law professor. I, I would definitely take that. Thank class. you. That would be really great. I'll definitely let you know about that. And thank you so much for having me on your podcast. And be careful when you walk out there around the cliff. Again, I'm, I, I hate cliffs. <laughs> I just uh, I, I got to stay. We actually, my wife even will tell you this story. We were up in the um, the arch. Do you know where the arch is in St. Louis? Uh, no, I've heard of it. Okay, I've yeah. heard of it, but I've never seen it. Yeah. It's a big old arch. You can go up to the top of it and, and you're all inside. You go up in this little tiny elevator. You go up to the top of the arch. I didn't want her too close to the window. I was afraid that we might fall out somehow. And I have no idea what that's about, but nonetheless, I hate, I hate ledges. Uh, but hey, that's <laughs> another story for another day. Thank you so much for attending today and best of luck in the future. Thank you, Joel. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a five-star review. We need your love to help us continue highlighting the funnier side of the law. I want to give a special shout-out to our Vice President of Operations, Wendy Oster, without whom this entire operation would be a mess. Sean Wynn and 15.5 Features for making me sound way better than I actually do. Brooke Bolin for spreading the good word about us. And Ryan Kuhn and Paul Kuhn of Triplicity Marketing for our technical and computer support. <laughs>